0: Hey, everyone. This is Elvis. Just wanted to apologize for the slight delay in releasing this episode. Uh, it's coming out to you as soon as possible. And just uh, up front, I wanted to quick touch uh, to preface the episode. Um, this week we're talking Cloud Atlas, and I realize that we're a little less kind. We're, a slight, we're slightly harsh toward the movie in this discussion, and... First of all, if this is one of your favorite films, we apologize up front. We don't mean to rag on it just for fun. Now that there's been some distance between the conversation we had and I've had some time to reflect on the movie, I still feel my criticisms and opinions are valid, but I realize I probably would have spoken with a little bit more grace. And uh, we had literally just finished watching the very long running time of Cloud Atlas on a big, busy day for myself. So as you'll see, I'm a little less coherent than typically speaking... So just saying that up front, and then I have a few more thoughts about the movie that I'll close with once we're done here. So, without further ado, let's get to Cloud Atlas. Howdy, partners, and welcome to Tom Hanks Giving, the podcast where we dive through every single Tom Hanks film in his entire library, And today, we have just gotten through 2012's Cloud Atlas, directed by the Wachowskis and Tom Twicker of Run Lola Run and Perfume fame. Wachowskis, of course, known for The Matrix, Speed Racer, Uh, anything else? V
1: for Vendetta. Uh, What was the one they they did before uh, The Matrix? I can't even remember. Lair Cake? Was that them? No, no. No. It was, it was something with Joey Pants. And stuff. If,
0: uh, forgive, forgive the uh, slightly less cogent introduction this week. We literally just finished watching all seven hours of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, of course, your host, Elvis Kunish. With me today is my very special guest, Mr. Colin Dunning. Colin,
1: hello, hello, hello.
0: Colin is, uh, of course, famous for co-creating Good Cop, Bitch Cop and uh he was the first choice for my guest for Cloud Atlas. I have not seen this film before. I knew you're familiar with uh, the movie and uh, you read the book, right?
1: Yes, it's actually uh, one of my favorite novels of like the past 10 years. Trust me, the well, we'll get to that. The novels. <laughs> yeah. <awesome>. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, why don't you know what? You've okay, you have seen this movie before tonight. Yes. Should should we talk about the book? I mean, we're not going to dive into the book because it's a movie thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, do we want to touch on that first, and what you're a fan of, and then go into the movie,
1: or uh, it's it's however you want to do it. Like, I I can reference the book simply in the sense of just kind of just the most basic things that each one is different, like the most basic differences. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I remember when I first, first of all, like if you read the book. And you're you're a fan of the author too. What what? Yeah. What tell us a little bit about him. David Mitchell is, uh, he's British. He's a great author. He does a, a lot of his stuff is like Cloud Atlas, where there's sort of a, it, it's it's not exactly sci-fi, but it, it's kind of this real world fantasy, and there's a lot of sort of existential quality. He likes to play around with existence themes like that. Um, there's a lot of similarities between the themes of Cloud Atlas and his other books. Mm-hmm. So, but I, trust me, they they execute them much, <laughs> it, it, much.
0: Per, the medium is perhaps stronger. Oh yeah, I think, a,
1: I think that's the biggest.
0: A book, or well, this should have been maybe a seven-season television series.
1: Well, actually, my biggest thing is the way the book is structured. First off, for for people that haven't seen Cloud Atlas. Yeah,
0: yeah. Actually, Leslie, yeah, this. It, we're gonna have to do the format a little differently this yeah. episode
1: because we usually go through a beat by beat
0: and talk about the movie as it's going on. That would be impossible if you've seen this film. Oh god! If you haven't, we're gonna. I'm gonna have Colin try and explain exactly what happens to you. The the the,
1: the, the best way to describe it is to describe the structure of the book first, which this will give you All an right, idea. All right, let's do that. So, there,
0: as I understood, it was and and I'm just want to say this before you go into it to see mm-hmm. if I if I got everything in the movie. Yeah. Actually, let me do my very butchered version, and then you it. tell us. Uh, so the movie is like, like Colin was saying, sort of a, a sci-fi based in reality, extended, uh, heightened fantasy thing. Um, we're jumping around in different points in time, and I, as I understood this, essentially five and a half strong timelines or points in time. that we continue to visit, there is a... Oh, well, that's the other thing. The cast is splintered or scattered throughout every single timeline and point of uh, error. There's sort of a mystery about uh, where we see one of Halle Berry's characters. She's a reporter, and she's trying to get to the bottom of a sort of a murder mystery and spy thriller, uh, not spy thriller, but there's espionage elements to it. And that's in the
1: 70s, and she uncovers something about a power plant. Just a quick note. This movie, actually, I remember one of my first reactions. This movie reminded me how much I still want to do bad things to Halle Berry. Like, I'll say say that much. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But go on, go on. Wait,
0: bad things in what context? Like, you want to do bad things, like like bash your head, or you want to do,
1: like, bad things? Like
0: bad things, like the latter. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so there's that sequence. Uh, There's a... Uh, jumping far all the way back there's like a sort of slavery-ish story where there's like a white guy who takes Mm -hmm. a stowaway, a black stowaway um, and they become friends but he's trying to be poisoned by one of Tom Hanks's many characters Uh, there's a, I think it's in between those two timelines is when um, and there's crossovers of actual characters who are from one era into another, and there's yeah. there's one where it's like uh, this gay couple in Europe. Uh, I want what 1817. I don't know the numbers. It would be before that, probably. Uh,
1: 1936.
0: 1936. Okay, yeah. so I was way off. But uh, he's uh, trying to be a composer, so he goes to live with a famous composer to create this. I guess where the title of the movie and book comes from, the Cloud Atlas Sextet. Yeah. Which is a symphony of sorts. Yeah. And I thought that would have more significance. I don't think it did, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, and then I've covered what three of three of five is that four? Uh, oh, then yeah. the most, uh, oh, then there's the most. Um, oh, then there's the. Oh no, there's three more. Uh, there's not the present, but there's the future, where we have Duna Bay uh, is. She's like a robot, clone... She's a clone. Slave person? Yeah, she's a clone. Basically, I guess in the future, they just... Well, I mean, they take the fetishization of Asian women and go full hog with it. And they, like, are sex slaves at some sort of diner. And they, like, live in little iPod sleeping... Oh my god. I don't
1: think you understand like just for being like having the knowledge of the book like how much fun it's hearing it is hearing you describe like and what you
0: are I I feel like an idiot right now because I feel like I'm someone who is describing the movie who hasn't seen it and I just watched this movie. I I Oh my god. Uh forgive me. Let's keep going here. Yeah. I'm almost done. Um so the, yeah, there's this future thing where um sex slave robot clone Makomori is saved by some dude i don't really know why there's a whole thing where she's like the chosen one or something and she's supposed to bring peace and the whole movie has kind of a thematic thing that it builds to about like being rebellious and challenging the <clears throat> the system i don't know if that's patriarchy or white supremacy or whatnot specifically but there's always a system that needs to be challenged and that was that was the thing uh, and there's, like, weird space fights and laser guns that is kind of cool. And it felt very tron for a little while. And mm-hmm. and then uh, we keep cutting back to this uh, bizarrely out-of-place <laughs> Jim Broadbent story. <laughs> as much as I love Broadbent, where he's just sort of like this... Well, it starts... Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Tom Hanks is playing Jesse Ventura and... Kills a guy?
1: Cockney Jesse Jesse Ventura.
0: (laughs) Murders his his critic. Which, again, this movie, I don't know if the author of the book has a lot of vocal critics, but I feel like this was the Wachowskis going up against some of their vocal critics
1: uh, about their movies. A lot of people like David Mitchell, so I don't
0: think... Um, That must have been... I don't know if it was in the book, but it felt like a very personal touch from them uh, going after the critics. And then he... So he's like this dude who has a real job and is in society and immediately gets like hornswoggled into being trapped in a old folks home by his younger but still really old brother Uh, and it becomes like this prison escape movie between four elderly people (laughs) and what the fuck it's like we're jumping back from this this thriller with Keith David and Halle Berry being chased by an assassin and then all of a sudden it's like, I know, I know! I'm an old guy trying to break out! of What? And you're like, this tones all over the place. And it all kind of culminates in this post-apocalyptic thing where I guess everything builds to essentially the apocalypse but then of course there's after the fall and we see Tom Hanks uh, reprising his role from Castaway Uh, (laughs) but he's got a small village of people Not that he's taking care of no volleyball and there's like this weird um cannibalistic no they didn't eat the people i don't think but there's like this other tribe of people who are like
1: oh no yeah they were cannibals they, oh they they yeah, were yeah, the yeah. cannibals i knew right. they
0: mentioned that but yeah. i didn't i didn't see him ever eat people but like yeah. weird cannibal dudes that are like trying to kill everybody and then Halle Berry shows up and she's like modern but she's still homeless in the the apocalypse and they're trying to contact space I don't it was know so fine. It's that's 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 what I recall from Cloud Atlas. We'll get into more of it. But basically this movie has a lot of stuff in it. And I mean it 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 lasts 7 hours and <laughs> What actually happens? Hey, go ahead. J- jump in here, Colin.
1: Okay, so I, I will say that...
0: Tom Hanks plays a million characters, which you would normally <laughs> find amazing. And I'm going to get to this. I only liked
1: one of his performances. <laughs> this is devastating for me as a Tom Hanks fan. I know. I know. So I'll, I'll say this. Okay, so... First off, bravo on describing what you saw in the movie. Did I get any of it right? From what you saw in the movie... Y- yeah, see, here's the thing. I remember walking out of, after seeing it from the theater, and I knew immediately that I would appreciate it more because I could fill in the blanks. Mm, like there's yeah. a lot of things from the book that allowed me to go, oh okay, well I know what's going on here. And there's some things they left out. There's actually a huge piece of the Somni story that they left out that was actually which one was Somni? That was the the fetishized uh, Chinese robot clone. Okay, or so like Korean robot, the, the
0: clone one that clone. should have been its own which movie. Is,
1: yeah, which is really just a clone. So the way the book is actually, so the way this <clears throat> movie structured is it really does like jump. In and out of all these six different times. So lines.
0: they're jumping like, in the book too.
1: No, no, no. Oh no! The book is done where so Ewing, the first guy, and that's on the boat. getting He's poisoned, poison. Yes, that's where it opens. Like you read the Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing, okay. and it's then that section is written as his journal. Okay. And then about halfway through the journal, it stops. It's it. it Cuts off. And oh, then and then you, we
0: cut. Do we catch up and, with
1: the guy who was reading the book? And then you go to Frobisher, who's the composer. And he's like, and Oh, what happened his, to the rest of this book? And you're reading the letters he's writing to Sixman. Right. So, and it's written in the form of his letters. That's how you're following a story. Okay. Of him writing with Ayers. And yes, he mentions, I'm reading this book, The Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing, and I got halfway through and it and cut off. So mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, you're reading the book? You're like, Me too. <laughs> So then, you're right there with
0: him. That's <laughs> fantastic. That didn't happen in the movie. So you,
1: you get to halfway through the letters, and then that also cuts off, and then you're in the Louisa Ray thriller, which is written like a pulp novel. It's, and that's the Halle Berry being the investigative right, journalist. Right. And she's investigating the nuclear power plant. She stumbles into it, meets Sixsmith, all those things. And it's written just like you're reading a Louisa Ray mystery. And then that cuts off when she gets thrown into the water. So again, you're like, "Oh my God, is she gonna live?" And then it goes to Timothy Cavendish, which, that's the Broadbent one.
0: But they they hit like the the little <clears throat> kid in the story wrote the novelization of what happened to her, and that's what we're yeah. supposed to understand. Yeah, yeah, um, which that connection was there. I caught that in the movie, yeah. but it was very like very vague. Because Jim Broadbent, like his main st- movie, like what the fuck was that? Why was that in the movie?
1: <laughs> well, the way, it, like, in the book, like, it is just as kind of com, Not as comic in tone. Yeah. But it is kind of funny. Like, you're supposed to sort of laugh at it.
0: Does it serve a purpose beyond being a distraction from...
1: No, they do... I mean, do there's a... no plot, really, but... They do a better job at, at tying what he's going through to other... Parts of the story okay. to other themes of it. A lot is it, of it just about like oppression of a person? It's a big the big running theme is like people being a prisoner of something. Okay. Um, and so you you read Cavendish's thing and you get through that, and that gets cut off, and then you're at Sonmi who's that story with the fetish size? She's a clone.
0: She's a clone. She's but there with, for like working at Space Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess I, I don't know. Are they really? Are they sex bots or are they just like Denny's? They're just, just anything.
1: They're just whatever you okay. want them to be. They, they. Some of them are sex clones. Some of them are Denny's clones, and they do all whatever you want them to do. It sounds like, and she's kind of the linchpin story of the novel, mm-hmm. and and it's her recounting her last words like it's just the same thing that you see in the film like she's she's, getting interviewed by some dude these are your last words you're gonna die but you know tell us what what happened for our records and then in the middle you go to the sluice's crossing thing which is the post-apocalyptic world and that's actually the first and only like complete story okay so that has a beginning a middle and an end immediately And then you go back to Sonmi, and you read the second half of hers. And then you go back to Cavendish, and you read the second half of his. So it goes
0: all the way back in time? It goes
1: all the way back, and then you end with the Ewing story with the Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing. So you go through the second parts of everything in reverse order. Interesting. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem with the film, is that because you jump around, you don't get you don't get the same feeling of them trying to talk about eternal recurrence. Right. And things like that. There's no, it's not full circle. Whereas like when I read the book and it's structured that way, I feel like it's full circle where this just feels like bam, bam, bam. And I think actually one of the biggest problems with the film is there were weird sections where like, You'd only focus on two stories and go back and forth. Yeah, the two, and you'd yeah. We would, about one you would of the lose other ones. the other six yeah. or. The other four. <laughs> <Or 14. laughs> the, other, the other 25 storylines.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there would just be like crossing back and forth, yeah. cutting back and forth between <clears throat> two or three. And it'd be like, well, these are the interesting storylines. Yeah. You know what this reminded me of and not in a good way? And I hate how, how much. Like, I want to like this so much because I'm a fan, but the more time that goes by, the less I can justify it to myself. Is mm-hmm. This reminded me of Arrested Development Season 4. Oh, yeah. Where there's this giant timeline of these characters yeah. sort of crossing over. Yeah. Except, you know, in that one, they actually did kind of, oh, this chunk is just this story and this chunk. Yeah. And it's, like, trying to keep track of all this, and, like, so much of it is narrated that I feel like we're just there's very little drama to the actual scene work. Like, it's just stuff happening. Yeah. And rarely was I ever
1: identified with a character or anything. There's um, a heavy reliance on narration. Yeah, which is usually
0: like, a, not... I mean, I I don't want to be the kind of guy who's like, narration's always bad, because sometimes it's amazing. But this is not a good use of... Like, I, I get it, because like, the way you yeah. described the book, that makes sense, Yeah. but that's that works for a book. This yeah. is... I mean, I. Do you think the movie would have been stronger
1: if they kept the structure of the of the book? Actually, the this is gonna sound super nerdy, so get ready. Um, way back in like when I get fir- ready, yeah, when I first read the book. Do um, you ever seen Band of Brothers, the HBO miniseries? Uh, Tom it's Hanks a- wasn't in it. Was yeah, he? I know. He so, pro- he produced it, so uh, this.
0: Yeah, and then then I don't feel bad. It's okay. No. <laughs> It's okay. Um, we'll do it at a, at a, when we're running out of
1: movies. We'll do Band of Brothers. Yeah, we'll go into his <laughs> produced by... His produced by credits. Um, you could have the Playtone collection. Ooh. There you go. So, he, um, so basically Band of Brothers was done where it was like 10 different writers, 10 different directors do 10 different parts each. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would have been cool if you did a mini series like that where you got six different directors and six different writers and they each take a piece and you show it the same way. Like you show... One half of the story. You do the same yeah. structure as the novel to make it come back around. Because at the end of the day, I think the story only makes sense. Like, literally, only makes sense if you do it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're
1: just like... Because I, as I was watching it now, <clears throat> I A, question why I own it. I will admit that we watched, <laughs> we watched my DVD slash Blu-ray copy. He's um has got the Blu-ray. I, um, and I, but I also was like... I don't, I'm with you, like, I didn't care. There were times where I was like, I'm jumping too much in and out of stories for me to really connect with anybody and care. And actually, I'm with you now. The whole broadbent thing does not fit.
0: No, Because it is oh so comic. Oh, my God. It's so bizarre. Oh, like, yeah. The cut to his, the flashback to his scene where he's, he's had, he's lo- losing his virginity, I guess. And then he has a cat to cover up his penis. <laughs> Obviously, this isn't played by Jim Broadbent. Although that would have been incredible. It would have
1: been the best scene of the movie. Um, but that that go. Co- <laughs> I mean, that
0: scene was actually really like funny. But in like, a, what the fuck is happening? This is not this movie. There are
1: flashes in this movie of good. Scenes. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously,
0: the people who are making this, uh, let alone Tom Hanks, yeah. are, are really talented people. But yeah. this is such a jumbled mess. This feels like you took, like you. I mean, essentially, what they did is they took. Five to six different stories and literally put them in a blender. Yeah, and and they it, it's not a liquid. It's because you can still feel the chunks. Yeah,
1: inside and it's and you could see some interesting like they're very obvious, but some interesting tricks that they did with editing. Mm-hmm. Where like you know you're looking at a doorway, or they're about to walk in a doorway, or there's a phone call, and then in the next timeline it's there's someone answering, answering the phone. Yeah, and but but
0: like. rarely did the, tr- the those transitions feel purposeful. They yeah. just felt clever. Yeah. And, yeah, that's but, what I mean. And that's like, clever in quotes. Yeah.
1: And the uh, only scene in the movie that I actually really liked, I thought about it as we were just watching it, is I think the only beautiful scene is when Ben Wishaw, like Frobisher, the, comp- the composer guy, mm-hmm. is in the tower at Cambridge, and Sixsmith is coming up and looking for him. Yeah. I thought, I was like, that's a really good scene. Like, that's actually, like, really well done, because it's really painful.
0: Because he's watching him look for him. Yeah,
1: he's watching him look for him, and he's narrating it. And it's one of the few times where the narration works, granted, because it's a letter to the character that he's watching. So I was like, okay, well, that was a good scene. (laughs) <laughs> and then and but so
0: the whole movie we like yeah, we're
1: at the end of the movie now. Oh man. Can, uh, can we eventually talk about like how amazing it was watching Tom Hanks like try to be a cockney gangster? Oh my throw God a guy. Over.
0: That was so bizarre. <laughs> I, yeah, we, let's get we'll get to I mean obviously this is the Tom Hanks podcast. Yeah, we're gonna talk about his all of his characters. but let's let's put the pin in that for just another minute. Okay. taking this as its own. Uh, as a movie, like I'm trying to think, does this? is there a story there? Is it just stuff happening? Because for, uh, for me, the filmmaking th- aspect of it rarely worked. I mean, there were certain little bits of scenes or little uh, sequences. Pretty. I mean, there was, it certainly looked pretty in a lot of places, <laughs> sure. I mean, it didn't look great for no. the most part. Actually, w- what I thought was interesting, I guess what they're, they're in a sort of way to mirror the book yeah. where the way – each story or segment was written was a certain style like it was either the letters or
1: his diary or yeah. like
0: the novel yeah uh or the pulp novel well that was the
1: cool part of the book is that every i i was convinced while reading the six different stories that six different authors had written mm-hmm. those parts and that's where mitchell's actually really talented as he can change his voice that, really well. That's good. Yeah. Um, I didn't
0: get that from this and there no. was actually certain like Tom Twicker directed two of the movies and the Wachowskis did three. Was that what it was? Because they did the fe- two futures and one other. They did the
1: thing. They, the, they, they, they did three and three. But yeah, Twicker kind of got. Okay. But you're right. Like <clears throat> that. It That's one of the problems is it felt very divided. Like it, you could tell like this is a Twicker. Yeah. Sequence and this is a Wachowski sequence.
0: And, yeah. yeah, you can tell it was Wachowskis when they have a fucking laser gung, kung, kung fu battle. Laser bullets. In the middle of it. And then we cut to fucking Jim Broadbent <laughs> doing his hijinks, getting away from <laughs> Nurse Ratchet played by Hugo Weaving. What the fuck was this movie? <laughs> this was so, obviously, this was very divisive when it came out. And I can see why now. Because it's such a, the movie's tone is all over the place yeah. and not in a good way. Yeah. It's, like, I'm trying to think, uh, taking it as a a movie, as a whole, um, on its own, it, it like, there are bits and pieces that work, like most movies, even the bad ones, they don't, you know, it's not like the people aren't behind it, aren't working or talented, you know, there are certain tiny moments that are like, oh, this is a thing, you know, so it's not garbage. No, yeah. But, uh... It doesn't flow together. Again, I feel like the transition from scene to scene or the cross-cutting, like, you'd get interesting visual cross-cutting. Like, I remember, yeah. like, there was a scene of feet running along the the mast of a ship. Uh, yeah, when they were running line. along the, the then, steel bridge. Oh, yes, and yeah. then the, the future. Yeah. But that had, for me, had no purpose, like, outside of this is a visual cut. There was no... Oh, it just felt flashy. Yeah, there was nothing about yeah, cool either sequence that was commenting on the other sequences. Yeah. And they, it sounds like, I mean, there was a lot of stuff where they were trying to talk about past lives, and, and it seems what, like the book is really about. And that didn't really resonate
1: for me. Well, it wasn't as, like, the book's not as... Well, not past least, lives, but, like, there's this it's resonance. Just, yeah, eternal recurrence is just kind of the biggest, most obvious theme when you're reading the Which, novel. And and but the problem with the movie is that they have to like bash you over the head with it, as if they aren't doing it already by making like all these different actors play all these different yeah. characters in different timelines. This
0: is a movie that could have benefited from being a little bit more confusing. Okay, that's 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 obviously not the case. <laughs> if it was any <laughs> more <incredible> confusing. <laughs> I mean I mean in the sense of I feel like this movie could've benefited more from, from being more <clears throat> subtle. Not that it would be easy to understand, but like the people who would have appreciated the movie would have been curious to find out, wait, what yeah. is this saying? And then dug a little deeper. Yeah. But because it's so kind of over your head, or yeah, banging
1: it over your head rather. Because in the, in the novel, like, it. yeah, there's other characters that kind of like, there are hints in the book that there are certain other characters that are recurring mm-hmm. in the different stories. But most of all, the most obvious connection is the birthmark. Like, it brings up yes. the, the, the comet birthmark. There's, like, a
0: birthmark. It's, it's shaped like a comet. And yeah. we see it on at least one character from every timeline. Yeah. Well, I guess it has to be one character from every timeline. Yeah, it, and that, I, I, we're to assume, is that just a
1: cosmic recurrence? Or is this, like, genetics passed on through all these people? Cosmic. I think it's, it's, it's come off, it comes off more as cosmic. Okay. More obviously, you're supposed to be like, oh, it's, like, the soul. Like, the recurring soul, like, passing through
0: I wanted to briefly say to the movie's half credit, like it did feel all. There was almost a bit where, the, like the novel had different versions, of, like different ways of telling each segment. Yeah. This it almost felt like every segment was kind of shot d- differently. Oh really? A little bit. Like okay. I could I could sense it. It was kind of half-assed, <laughs> but I, I feel like there it was there enough that I caught onto it. And maybe 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 I'm projecting, but it felt. Like, the I most uh, strongly resonated in the uh, Louisa Rey segment, which yeah. was in the 70s. And it looked to me like a 70s absolutely film. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, especially with Keith David there, it looked like They Live or something like that. And, and like, the way the colors and the, the design looked, and especially that red in that elevator. Yeah. It looked like a grainier old movie, like, almost like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which at first okay. I was like, this movie looks trashy. And then I was like, oh, they're doing a thing. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, once you get to the S- Son Mi um, De- Space Denny's Waitress uh, segment, yeah, it's very flashy and glossy like Speed Racer. So that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the... The boat sequence, what was that character's name? Uh, Ewing. Ewing, Adam the Ewings, Ewing. The, very, the earliest in the timeline. Yeah. It looked like a History Channel original production, like the History Channel Pirates show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, it's, they're trying. Uh, and, and the other segments, like, I mean, the Jim Broadman one took place in 2012, so it was current for the time. I guess it, it looked like an episode, a bad episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Except for that. I guess there were no... Ha- okay, that's that's not true. There was no handheld camera, but... I don't know. It just... It, it looked modern enough, I guess. But... Uh, what was the other segment? I don't know. It didn't look...
1: Well, then you had, like... You had Frobisher's. Thing.
0: Oh, yeah. And that one... I don't know.
1: I guess I... I guess I feel kind of the same. I, I do think the Louisa Ray one had a visual style. Yeah, that, that, that was the, the starkest. That was that was the definitely the strongest visual style change and up that, I, I would say is probably
0: the we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you this question i would say it was the best sequence or the best
1: m- version of the movie i think in the movie i think because it just felt like the most complete story yeah that you it were was, watching but because it, it was just this basic like mystery thriller there was actually a point for me where it was the one i was most bored by but i think that's because the disservice to it is you're watching a thriller mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's like a thriller where like I'm getting up to take a piss every five seconds where I'm like, yeah, yeah, they,
0: they keep cutting away. (laughs) So any tension there melts because they're always cutting away too. Like, I mean, and it's, it sucked for a minute there. I was like, I didn't like, I I don't like the, the final sequence in the movie, the post apocalypse, let's go up a mountain and find an antenna story Yeah, and the fight the cannibals. I don't like that at all. That was my least favorite, I think. But I was yeah. most invested in it because it's like, okay, well, everything has to be building to this story yeah. because this <clears throat> is the the future. This is the last point that at least we've seen in the movie so far. So it has to mean something. Uh, and it, it, it was never winning. it was so boring. <laughs> it, so. It's not that the movie's cores, like the story ideas and what it's trying to say yeah. are bad or even what it's no. trying to do. It's just... The way it was done was so—it's
1: just messy bad execu- and, yeah, yeah.
0: Bad and bad and poor execution. and just all over the place and yeah. and just exhausting. Like the, again, I keep saying there was not enough drama to the scene work. Like no. outside of a few a few of the again mostly in the uh, Louisa Ray 70s sequence, there was no tension to the scenes and no drama, and you you were just pulled out. It was always narration. This is just stuff happening. It was never like, let's take a moment to build a scene where we're watching a character and we're... Waiting in suspense to see what happens or what doesn't happen, and you know it doesn't have to be. A and thriller. you never
1: have a full grasp, actually, what like the conflict is in each one. Like... Yeah,
0: which is a problem with like a mystery. Yeah, because I mean, Cause even you... even though the Louisa raised the one that's really, I guess there's a bit of mysteries in all of them. Yeah, but because of the structure, it makes it all a mystery because you're like, what's the point? What's this building yeah. to? Yeah, it, it it pulls the way. It's like oh because you don't have all the information you can't
1: know what everybody's fighting for or what it's building to like yeah ugh. and especially with the Sanmi thing they actually leave out a huge thing about in the book they leave out this whole big twist of just like how she was being used the whole time and in this one it's like
0: i, I yeah i mean there must there must be a huge chunk cuz i can't imagine how that would work based on what i've what you've told me yeah. and what i've seen in the movie cuz cuz it seems like even if she was the martyr and they were trying to use her like how are people seeing that and being like, "Oh shit! Now let's
1: keep eating them." Or I mean, it just it and it furthers the fall of society. Like it leads okay. to the fall because that's one of the biggest weaknesses in the movie. It's like, well, wait, if she was supposed to be this like—that's true. Like we figure. never saw the the apocalypse happen. Yeah. Why? Why did the apocalypse? happen? Because it wasn't like, like clearly nothing worked. Yeah. So in this, you're supposed to see that it didn't work because I... society didn't break away from anything. I
0: right? did pick up enough that uh was this rev- revered figure in you know the final timeline yeah. and that was there and that that Susan Sarandon who's in this movie by the way didn't didn't, didn't you like Susan Sarandon's <laughs> like crayon bible yes that was <laughs> hilarious oh man this is a weird movie what was your favorite story in the movie like that that the movie did what did you enjoy watching uh, you, i said the 70 sequence but you found
1: you found it frustrating. That you? one, for, that one was frustrating for me. I think my favorite in the, oh man, my favorite in the movie. Ugh. It's hard to say because there's just like, for me, there's detractions from all of them. I guess like the one that entertains me the most, that feels like the most complete story, is Sonmi. I I I feel like I would say that, and I feel like her framing device is the best because we keep
0: cutting back, and it almost gives context to everything. Yeah, and. And, and yeah and I by mean, no
1: means am i saying that it was like it's good no, but no. it's the one that to you've me, got a little bit of action i was most invested in she's a really good actress and
0: i mean she doesn't have a lot to do but she's really good with the small moments you are just watching yeah. her eyes figure things out yeah uh i didn't really like where it went i i like the idea of where it went but yeah. it, didn't, it didn't it was boring yeah. for me yeah um, there, but were, it, there were boobs in that timeline. Or there, that were, there were, there so boob- were.
1: that there were boobs in that timeline. That's line. a plus. They,
0: that, that was the thing. I kept waiting for Tom Hanks to show up in that into the two thousand or in the future timeline. I think he does. He never showed up. I never saw Tom Hanks in that future in that that specific era. Oh From yes, you know what he shows wait. up
1: as in that timeline? Who He's is the he? Cavendish lookalike actor? He's in the movie version of Broadbent. Oh, does that count? Oh, that's that to, so to them, it does. To them, it does. That's so bullshit. Like,
0: <laughs> why wasn't Tom Hanks like a robot cop or something? Like, that's fucking so dumb.
1: You know, because it's Tom Hanks giving, it's this podcast. He should have been the guy that saved Sonmi. He should have gotten laid by the really cool clone Korean girl.
0: I mean, that doesn't bother me. He ends up with Halle Berry at the end. That is
1: actually like, I, that's one of my favorite things, is just that they paired that up. Because how about that? How about the scene with Louisa where they're like out? Getting stoned on the, on like, yeah, no, reactor. okay, that, okay, okay, yeah,
0: here's the thing, here's the thing. This movie has one awesome that scene. That is another
1: one that's a good, great one scene. One
0: awesome scene, and it has one really awesome Tom Hanks performance. I have a problem with all of Tom Hanks' performance, like, and I hate to say that because I'm such a Tom Hanks is the best, and he has a great range, but like, the way it was directed, the way he pulls it off. Ugh, everything's everything's I, everything. Over the top. Everything is over the top, yeah. or like the accents so phony, or like he just let's just miscast. Say... But when he comes in as Isaac in the seventy sequence, oh yeah, he's so charming. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's like in the middle of the movie, and it's like. This is Tom Hanks this is yeah because he, he brings humanity to this character he hits on the core <clears> themes of like I feel like I know you but I don't and they they talk about the stuff that's that's relevant to the movie's purpose right so yeah. so we're get and we know that means oh he can do it if you just give him this kind of material like this character to play and like he's charming he's funny he, like you can sense there's something between these two characters there's actual chemistry in the yeah. scene. I'm enjoying watching. I don't know. It just felt like, oh, here's finally a human being I'm watching. Mm. When, I mean, and I hate to say it, but like every other Tom Hanks performance in this movie, he like shows up and he's like a fucking cartoon character. Oh, it's
1: like watching a clown.
0: Like, especially the Dr. Henry Goose. It's like.
1: Oh, that was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I know, boy. And he's like. Like when what? I read
1: the book, that's not how I pictured I, that character uh, at all. Why would you ever
0: picture a character yeah. that looks like to that? To me, it
1: was just much more like subtly sinister.
0: Yeah. And oh, then, man. Yeah. yeah. And know uh, it hurts. It hurts, Tom. That you, but this is this is one of your worst. I mean, certainly the worst. I mean, this is only the third episode of the podcast, <laughs> but the worst I've seen.
1: <laughs> We're gonna beat you up
0: early, Tom. Uh, no, no, no. But, but we'll, I gotta commend we'll lift you, you back up your Isaac performance. And it, when you died, I was like, all right, whatever. No, really, one really good Tom Hanks performance. Everything else, he was just... Did, did you like any of the ones? Like, I can't think of which. are
1: the, the, No, Dr. Henry Goose was the worst. Dr. Henry Goose was the worst. Clearly followed, the worst. Followed by his dude, Dermot Hoggins, who's the, the Cockney gangster that brought oh, Vince's no, character. I,
0: no, you know what? I'm going to say, I, I like Dermot. Did, did, you,
1: did you like that? I like Dermot you know why
0: a I, little bit more, but I like it in the way it's like... It, it bothered the shit out of me. Oh, it's so bad. It's so. But it felt like this was one time where they're like, Let's just make it bad. Let's Cause, just cause it do it. Because it was the dumbest sequence in the movie. So it was like, we can get away with it here. And like, because when he showed up, I'm like, who's this fucking Steven Seagal Asian dude? Oh my God. Hello, <laughs>
1: f- Governor. fucking
0: kidding me. <laughs> it's Tom Hanks. He's got this w-
1: shitty ass, like,
0: g- But I feel like that's go- why
1: go-team. Tom signed on to do the movie. Because <clears> for him, the- he kind of was just like, oh, cool. I can play six different characters. Yeah, and I, I'm
0: sure that was a lot of fun. Like, play... Like, that's the thing. I, 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 this podcast is is designated, you know, it's it's a Tom Hanks podcast. Yeah. I feel like he can play... I don't want to say anything. He has such a great range, though, and he yeah. brings warmth and humanity to most characters he plays. <laughs> Not in this movie. But I feel like this was an opportunity for him to play against his type. And you don't usually see Tom Hanks in, like, a fantasy or supernatural kind of movie. No, And I feel like that's probably... To his credit, because he's best cast in very realistic portrayals of of life. Even like, I mean, sure, big is a huge fantasy because yeah. it's about a child who becomes an adult, but it's played in the real world. They're very
1: grounded, human it's, characters. Yeah, It's, it's he's he's the, like you said, he's he's the best everyman. Like, Yes, he's a great everyman, but he can still And he's got great reign. You're right. Like he's done plenty of roles where he's Gone outside his comfort zone, yeah. Especially in recent years,
0: which and is great. He should continue to do that. Yeah, and but like, this
1: one isn't. This one is definitely not in that category. This one is like, right. yeah. Henry Goose is the worst because he's just it's just this clown on a boat, mm-hmm. joking around, and then does he? I can't remember. Oh, then he's like the weird hotel,
0: the hotel, which is a small part. It's but a, it's a like small part.
1: Show up, but again, it's I feel just
0: like Tom Hanks is like make me as ugly as possible in this movie, <laughs> and then I'm like, I guess rough
1: me up. And Isaac Sachs really was the best one. Isaac was. Sachs was, was great. It was a great. He was, moment. He was a person. The and... fact that you remember his name too. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like it really had to have stuck out because the only way I can follow any of the names in this movie is because of the book. That's really what. It right. Was. I'm sure. I, yeah. I bet I don't remember. I picked up a few character names. Yeah. But. Uh, but oh my god. And then after that How... we had. Yeah. Uh. Then he's then he's the the actor. But then the Slushes Crossing one like that's. That's tough, too, because in that post-apocalyptic one, that's his starring role. That's the one on the poster,
0: on the yeah, fucking cover the of the DVD. Of that's the starring role of the movie. That's the, and that's the, okay, I, I, I did, we didn't really do it this time because we didn't do it beat by beat. I, what I like to do um, whenever I look at a movie, and so far in this podcast, is I like to look at the first shot and the, the final shot of a movie and okay. see, like, what does that tell us? about the story. Can you imagine what the movie is in between that? Yeah. The first shot of this movie is star a star escape, and then we pan down, or we tilt down, rather, to super old Scarface, beardy Tom Hanks <clears throat> telling, like, a campfire story. And it looks, it looks at, at least, I think, I believe... On he, to true truth. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a movie about telling stories, which I guess makes sense. I, the final shot is... Essentially, the reverse. We go from Tom Hanks and his, uh, and Halle Berry up to the stars, and it's like, oh, the context is realigned because we're actually looking up at old Earth because they're off the planet now. Yeah, yeah, they're off. The which, planet. which actually compared to the incredibly, just going back through the movies we've done already on the show, the incredibly, uh, obvious metaphor of the crossroads that we start and end with in, uh, Castaway. <laughs> And the just not really <laughs> super significant first shot and last shot of Big, where it's like a computer video game and then just him and his best friend walking down the street. Yeah. This actually, I like that, but again, that's that's just kind of a weird nerdy thing I do. It doesn't actually say anything about the quality of a movie, no. but I, I do like how I love it when a director and a writer do pay attention to what their first image should and last image yeah. is. Yeah. So on that note, this is probably the more thematically appropriate movie, but ugh, the movie in between. Like, would you have pictured that movie in between these two shots? I, oh, I mean, no.
1: Yeah. No, but no one can picture this movie, because this is six different movies like <sighs> splattered against the wall.
0: Do you think their intention was always to do this
1: cross-cutting between the timelines? I think so. I mean, if you're going to do that type <clears throat> of story as one seven-hour movie well why it's actually it's actually three hours but if you're gonna do it as one contained visual story and actually david mitchell the author likes the movie he does well actually his quote is simply i think he just was quoted saying like this was the best possible translation of my story (laughs) that doesn't mean he
0: likes it yeah it's just like and i
1: think he's right in that like you can't you couldn't have done it any other way unless you wanted to do like 10 minute segments all back to back like to do that structure or 15 minutes i I guess i mean this certainly works but you almost could have done that because to me i feel like each sequence was only there was only like 25 to 30 minutes really story shot yeah i mean there was
0: definitely not enough story for
1: all of these to be movies
0: no uh, so if you would have just cut it down to the barest essentials, yeah, you could have done that.
1: Yeah, I think but it I, and I think they were thinking of the audience also, like, well, if we do it that way, the audience is going to get really bored. No,
0: right. no, no, yeah, that, that I completely understand. I also have this, <laughs> the sneaking whatever. suspicion that they had to cut in between yeah. timelines because uh, all the actors kept forgetting exactly how they did their accents and they changed every time they shot a new scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would not surprise me. You know the book. Yeah, so that's cheating. But the movie itself, what can we learn from the movie? What what's the movie trying to say? answer and answer this question first. Is this a good movie? No, no. It's not a good movie. Actually, you know what? We'll come back to that. Although the answer you just said is correct. I jumped on it. What's this mo No, no. What's this movie? What's this movie about?
1: What's it trying to say? What can we learn from it? Well, I mean, there's the theme of eternal recurrence, but basically what they tried to bring out with Sanmi's whole speech at the end is that you see, like, it's like a history of violence, kind of. Like, here we are, you know, slaves to larger bodies telling us what to do, be it governments or just social norms or whatever. Or, or, you know, certain racists or sexists. We need not be afraid to stand up against that we and that's what she's saying at the end so it's yes. the idea that the only way and obviously so there's a fall of society eventually because we just gave in to sexism racism um you know dehumanization dehumanization certain and everything just felt fell apart the moment but that won't change until we finally decide to look beyond ourselves and you know connect as humanity and then we'll you know we'll be we'll evolve from that
0: right I think there was some... because
1: there's a big like the, the the big part in the book is the book ends on the line like you know you'll just is Tom Tilda Ewing's yes. wife her father saying like you know you're just a drop in a vast ocean right and mm-hmm. him answering well what is an ocean but a vast but not but a multitude, but a multitude of, drops. of drops which and I think and when you read the book I was like that's awesome. It is an awesome that's line. That's a great line. And it, it's a great ending line for a book. Because you're just like, perfect. That yeah. That to, is the story. It's just like us as humanity. Like It's about looking beyond ourselves. And that's
0: it, the thing. Like I like that line a lot. Especially the way... I liked it in the movie. Except yeah.
1: it comes off incredibly cheesy in the movie. And I think that's because it's not the last line of the movie. That's what actually pissed me off. I forgot that. And it, just now when we were watching it, I was like, wait. Like... No. I mean, I understand you're going to let Tom Hanks close
0: the movie, but Yeah, I know that they, <laughs> they
1: changed up the beginning. I mean, they changed it up by creating this, like, bookend, yeah. like, off-world story. Um, and I but guess... I, that's what really pissed me off, because th- I loved that last line, because that sums up everything it's about. Like, that's why I liked it, because the biggest thing you take away is that it's... It, Mitchell saying, like, these institutions that... These negative institutions of human history came from like selfish needs. It's just people. And, and and yes, we need to break away from that and just see that we're all the same, we're all people, mm-hmm. and that there is a vast connection, you know. It doesn't matter if you say it's because of God or whatever your philosophy is in life, at the mm-hmm. end of the day we have to look outside of ourselves and see that there's other people in this universe. And once and like I said, once we do that we can evolve. And that to me is why that, that the multitude of drops line is so important. But then they like do it up with like, grandpappy. That was a great. Oh, no, grand, grand P. Which grand P just sounds like what I took last night after I had a bunch of Corona. Like that <laughs> was like, was just like P and grand Or is it grand? Or a Gra- I one? like
0: grand me. Grand, grand, me. grand, grand P, P or whatever. Grand
1: <laughs> P. But they end it with this whole, that to me just felt super corny. Aside from the fact that I'm simply rooting for Tom Hanks like scoring Halle Berry. Yeah. It's like, I well mean, done, Nicely dude. done, dude. All
0: right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so okay, that's we talked about kind of what this movie's about and everything. Do you, can you say good movie?
1: No, absolutely not. Yeah, we're going back to the good or bad. Yeah. No, it's not a good movie because it's just it's way too uneven. And I think one of the immediately, I mean, once you have an uneven film, it's not a good film. It's way too uneven, and no one's gonna get it. Like anyone actually, I I know my mom for sure, but there's other people I talk to that. Never read the book that were just like, what the fuck, like yeah. that. That's their reaction. They just don't get it. They don't know what to take away from it when they, when they're done. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in the eye, like I hate to say it, but then you failed. Like your 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 movies failed. If no one's walking away from it, saying the same thing that I'm saying, yes. what to take away from it, then they fail. Because I know that that
0: there's that's too with much the
1: stuff. And, and, and Twicker's trying to do. Yeah. But you don't get that impression at there's,
0: all. There's far too much stuff. And they try
1: to cheat it by having movie. Sonmi's last speech. And they try to cheat it by having these last narrations go yeah, from cut. a couple characters. Mm-hmm. And I think, like to me, it felt like even they, towards the end, were like, oh, shit, we we haven't made our point, or no, no one gets it. So let's, have let's just spell it out. out. Yeah. yeah. Spit it on the true true. I uh, wish I could have done true, this. True. I wish I could have done this entire podcast speaking like post apocalyptic Tom Hanks. Oh, you would. Which been. it's even worse in the book, but it just works because you're reading it. Like the you have to imagine. Oh, like, he
0: writes it that in oh, the it's ad- Zachary. Oh, Zachary. like it's Zachary's God. whole
1: thing. Like, it's hard in the book. That was actually the one section where I had a hard time because it is a lot of like we. It's like Jar Jar Binks. Like it's oh just a God. whole lot of like That's te- weird that's the language.
0: worst thing. You yeah. just compared a Tom Hanks performance to Jar Jar Banks yeah. and you're I'm not gonna argue with you. Yeah. Okay, so not a good movie. Definitely, <laughs> definitely agree with you there. Is this this is this is where it comes down to. Um I was saying before we had started recording that there are bad movies Tom Hanks is in, but I feel like he gives it his all and he gives a good performance. Part. Is there a good Tom Hanks performance in this movie? Is he good in this movie?
1: Yeah, when he's Isaac Sachs, he's great. When he's he Isaac Sachs, he's is great. I think Tom... But you Every said other... like, he gives it, it all. <coughs> I think he does... In some sections, he was giving it his all. Like, he's I not...
0: Think... He's not. He's certainly not sleepwalking through this. Hell no. He's... Like, when he's the f- Dr. Henry Goose... But these aren't characters he can play. No. That's what it is. That's, that's really the really miscast. Which is yeah. surprising to find that that... Exists, that yeah. But Tom I think Hanks this can't. I do. You, do you think though, if he had give, been given a proper movie, could he play a character that's like? Could he play Doctor Henry Gruce like believably? Could you find the humanity? Yeah,
1: but I think you need, and I, and I think you need another, it, a different director as well. I certainly, think you need, a different you need, director. Yeah, because I can't remember. I think the witch hat. I think Wichau's he could do, do, do a better one? job than the one he is doing for some of these characters. I mean, I think that's that's the problem. Is it was like. No one was either, he came up with that himself, and no one was there to tell him, like, that's ridiculous. That's a, it's a little too that's, that's goofy. A, stop it. Like, someone didn't <laughs> just, go up there just, and be like, stop it. No, Tom. No, Tom. Stop it. Or they told him to do that. Like, that oh. thing is like, oh, that's, <clears throat> no, no, this is Henry Goose. Which, you I mean, his last name's Goose, or yeah. whatever. But like I said, that character in the book, to me, did not come off as, like, this goofy, like, Oh, he's almost oh, like boy. a like a like a villainous prospector in the movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, get your gold, which I didn't know the whole time he was like it wasn't obvious to me that he was poisoning him and for the gold. I didn't even remember
1: there was gold. You never saw it was in the case. You uh, just saw him lock up the case. Like I
0: knew there was a key and I was like oh, I think in the
1: book Ewing's a little more forward like I've brought my worldly possessions. Well, even if in thing. the
0: like in the book if you're dealing with one section at a time, it's easier to hold on to So many details, like, I can't remember who says it uh, online, somebody's, it's a great little detail, or maybe it was a filmmaker, but they say every little, every detail you give your writer is something you have to put in your backpack, and Mm -hmm. this movie throws so many details at you that you're dragging around a two-ton backpack by the end of it, and you don't know what's important anymore, and it (laughs) slows you down from understanding what's going on, and that kills your momentum. And yeah. that's the problem when you have six different storylines happening in your movie. It's This is worse than like, I don't want to say you can't make a good ensemble movie, but it's like when you have an ensemble movie where there's six different point of view characters, that's already so much to juggle. And if you're not doing it with great purpose and like well, precision directing and editing, yeah. we're not going to be able to follow that. And then on top of that, it's not six point of view characters. It's six point of view characters in six different timelines. Yeah. This was like pretty much doomed to fail from the beginning. I, I, there have been movies where they've jumped around in time a lot before. Um, I would yeah. kind of be interested in seeing something like this in a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> that might be fun.
1: I think like you, you could take what they're trying to do and, and run with it and do some cool things. I think to take this exact story, this exact book and do it yeah. doesn't work. But to take the idea of such and go, hey, what if you had this like recurring soul and blah blah blah, you could work with that. But they were working within the confines of something that is hard to adapt. Perfect. Okay, that is Cloud Atlas.
0: Wow. I hope this podcast wasn't as long as the movie for you listeners out there.
1: Uh, well, we're, it hasn't been seven hours, so they're no, pretty good. No. Uh, that I, was. I, I want to come back for a good Tom Hanks movie. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, I've done this disservice to you. Uh, there's always a lot to talk about when
1: it's a bad movie, but you don't get many of those for Tom Hanks. So that's a, that was a... by the way, for anybody listening, um, if you'd like to buy my, cloud, my copy of Cloud Atlas, <laughs> uh, please contact me at my there, You can catch me on Twitter at General McCaddy, or you can catch me on Instagram. I'll be putting it up tonight for auction. Uh, the real Colin Dunning, which is the douchiest Instagram name on the planet, I know. It hurt me to say it just now, but if, yes. If you guys
0: didn't know I got the real Colin Dunning for this podcast, yes. you were
1: sorely mistaken. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, buy Collins Cloud Atlas. Buy my D- Cloud Atlas. Blu-ray. DVD.
1: We can sign
0: it if you want.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, uh, yeah, we we will we will sign it. We will it. sign it I the, haven't the used... official
0: Tom Hanks giving copy.
1: Yeah, and I actually haven't used the ultraviolet digital copy. So <gasps> if your grand if your grand me or your grand you wants to watch <laughs> it. it comes with a DVD. So you can give Grand Me and Grand P the DVD and you can give the your future space clone ch- Korean children the ultraviolet digital copy as they eat their... That's one thing we left out is that everybody was eating clones. There were yeah! Really yeah
0: weird re- re- Although, the, yeah, there was a there weird Jim there broad- there Broadbent there reference were, there were weird of Soylent like, Green. Soylent
1: Green and what stuff
0: like that. that. <laughs> hey so how about that Jim Broadbent huh what a crazy guy I actually wanted to talk real quick a few things we left out in our discussion now that I've had time to think about it um that I liked about the movie uh to single out Broadbent again I thought his performances actually blended better throughout all the different segments than Tom Hanks did which is that Broadbent played better within this kind of a movie than Tom Hanks does um I thought I thought he didn't stick out so much. Um, and another great thing about this movie is like here's Halle Berry acting in a period piece, and she's completely not defined by her race. That is uh, that is not an important part of her character, which is wonderful. And then there was a comment I made about the the two cuts uh, or this the hard cut from timelines where we're seeing uh, one of the characters run along the mast of the ship, and we're just we have a foot shot, and then it cuts to the future where we're seeing the same kind of feet shot crossing uh, the bridge. And I, I commented that like it was purposeless and I still feel mostly that dramatically it's purposeless, but I realize that the film is tapping into this idea of building symmetry and that these are the same problems we're having in all all throughout history. But these problems of being oppressed by a system that whatever that system may be, uh, discriminates is Still a problem we face, and I think that's an important thing, and that the movie is kind of about hope in the prospect of changing that uh, through kindness. And that's that's a cool thing. I can get behind that, but I still feel like the movie's execution could have been a lot stronger. And it actually made me think of uh, several movies that I've really, really liked that are more recent, um, particularly uh, last year's Snowpiercer. Um, Which also dealt with themes of a broken system and having to kind of overhaul the entire thing, whether that may or may not lead to the destruction of what we have wrought um, being a good thing or at least the necessary thing to make good. I feel like I'm rambling even now, but that might just be what this Cloud Atlas movie does. That is all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you want your very own Blu-ray copy of Cloud Atlas, please write to us at TomHanksPod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at TomHanksPod or contact Colin directly at TheRealColinDunning. Next week, we are talking about 1986's The Money Pit. It's going to be awesome. Don't forget to share this. Uh, rate us on iTunes leave us a comment get the word out there we're still trying to get this thing off the ground so any help you can do uh, spreading the word would be fantastic if you liked it tell a friend if you don't have any friends well you've got a friend in me that's all for this week thanks so much next week The Money Pit Tom Hanks we fell in love with you Tom Hanks just like so many do deeply, because you made a smile, and you're great on screen style. So that's why we give thanks, because you've got a friend in Tom Hanks.